0: So I was thinking about dreams and how dreams at night are the brain's way of trying to bring order to the day's experience or past days experiences. And so at night a person may or may not dream and they might dream about something that happened during the day or they could dream about something from the past. In this way the brain is sort of continuing to think while it's asleep, it's not quiet. And sometimes people don't dream at all, or at least they don't remember their dreams. And to me, a person that dreams may be trying to work stuff out in their life, and in the same way, a person that has psychosis or mania, which is like having dream elements projected into daily life, maybe needing to work out some internal stuff, unfinished business and things to a higher degree than the people that um, manage to do it through dreams. And interestingly enough, many times when somebody goes into a state of psychosis or mania, they haven't been sleeping. So perhaps they haven't been sleeping, they haven't been dreaming. Or maybe it's that they are dreaming, but they're awake dreaming. So their sleep time, that's usually sleep dreaming, is now still dreaming time, but it's while the person is awake, so they're not getting sleep. Plus, the dream elements are being projected and causing trouble in daily life, like, say, what's called hallucinations or delusions which could just be um, like sleepwalking, while actually awake. Um, and that's just something I'm thinking about. I'm not saying this is true, or it's just, um, it's just a conversation. And I feel it's important to talk about this stuff and think about it differently because it's, it's so fascinating. And I'm speaking about it from my own experience, not from, oh, I read this in a textbook. It could be in a textbook somewhere or in a book somewhere, but from my own experience, it does feel like I'm sort of awake in a dreamland. And maybe we're all awake in a dreamland, but the dream element shuts off for the most part in most people, but perhaps if we're not sleeping, the dream element comes in and messes up the daily reality. But why do we dream at all? It seems like it's the subconscious way of reorganizing stuff. So basically this dreaming while awake could be a way to reorganize a person's reality because there's elements that need to be reorganized. And this could, in my case I experienced trauma, and it was hard for my brain to deal with that trauma. So a way for it to be dealt with was perhaps to create a, a mental health crisis or challenge which definitely made my internal subjective reality not really congruent with the outer reality. And this is just perhaps a way of the psyche's healing process, I believe in holotropic breathwork they they talk about how the psyche is always attempting to heal itself. It's a self-healing mechanism. So psychosis and mania could be some kind of self-healing process. But it's met with opposition. It's met with the interpretation of being a disease, like a permanent thing. When it's not a permanent state, um, most times people don't stay in that kind of state forever and coming out of it is usually attributed to medication. But how many people are allowed to possibly go through the process without medication? And perhaps, maybe, it would resolve eventually on its own. If it's a healing mechanism, a healing process, perhaps, it eventually corrects itself. Just like if we're sleeping and we have a dream, eventually the dream stops. Eventually we wake up. If we were to think everybody that was sleeping was like dead, and bury them before they woke up, well then we would be really silly. Um, So just because that happens, we never, there's not much there's not many opportunities to go through it in a safe way and have it finish, almost like a longer sleep dream period. Imagine it takes, for example, say it takes 30 days on average. Now a person needs a nice sanctuary for those 30 days to go through the process, but instead it's stopped, the process is stopped through chemical means and then It's assumed because a person had that happen, that they have some sort of disease when it was never allowed to go through its process. And it's also assumed that if you allow it to continue, it's only going to get worse. And I'm not sure where the proof lies in this, but there's a lot of fear that is put into it. And, you know, it may be true, but um, I'm not sure. I would like to see that there'd be options, especially because there are some people that choose not to take the medications, but it still is a process that is, it needs, a person needs to be kept safe and they need to be guided, because it's, um, it's a very delicate place to be. So what I'm talking about is revisioning mental health and revisioning is just that providing different ways to see it to look at it to think about it and that will create new avenues and new possibilities and That's really important they talk they do talk about um, reframing so reframing things to look at it differently and reframing could be um, for example sometimes I reframe my experience by saying I take medication to keep me grounded in this reality that we all share I take medication to keep me Seeing consensus reality. Is this the only reality in my mind? No. Is this the best reality that's out there? No, it's not. But it's the one we all share. And that's the one where I can be most congruent and not bump into inc- incongruencies in my inner subjective experience and the outer. There's still incongruencies, or there's still. I still have a sense, for example, like I can see this injustice or that injustice, which we can all do that, which just means we see the world as it is, and we don't think that it should be that way. And with um, some of my different states of consciousness where I've experienced what's called mania and psychosis, I, I see the world, and then I also see More possibilities so in mania I like to think of it as seeing so many possibilities in everything I see possibilities to make things better see it differently or experience it differently or for it to have different meaning than it usually does it's a very new state it's not I see something I look at something and it it feels it feels like nothing new. There's almost no perception of it. So after a while, if we're experiencing the same thing all the time, in the same routine, we get adapted and we don't even see things that are in our our daily life. So we might not even see that there's a picture on the wall even though it's been there for the whole time. Or we might, we just don't notice things. So mania is like noticing everything and and then some, and noticing what's implicit in what we notice, and like reading between the lines. And, and in that way, it's a very energetic state, and it's very exciting. And psychosis is similar, but it's also, there's a lot of scary associations. So instead of associating um, a certain Item with something beautiful and possible, with lots of potential and wonderful. It resonates with some kind of trauma from the past, or relating it to some kind of biblical, horrific event, or you know, the mind changes it into all negative um, feelings of things and since it's a negative feeling state and one feels very negative and terrified everything is flavored with that terrified nature so any terrifying association that is possible can potentially come into one's conscious awareness but again it's not congruent with reality so i might just see a scary picture on the wall and what it is is a scary picture on the wall that doesn't mean that um something horrible is going to happen to my neighbor which you you know my mind might make that up as a story because it's in that state of feeling completely terrified even though there is really no good reason so the feeling of the terrified creates reasons so the mind starts to make up reasons everywhere why I should and could Be terrified and just like the opposite of mania being extremely elated and joyful and happy it sees the brain can see the mind can see every reason possible to be happy and joyful so this is different than the normal consensus state of kind of not noticing anything so just in the normal state it's just noticing what we usually notice, and there's not much that's new. Whereas in mania, everything seems new, and one is noticing everything. And perhaps it is important for some people to notice more things sometimes, because if we all got habituated to our routines, like if tomorrow we were all habituated to our routines forever, we would just be robots. So to me, I actually feel like these experiences of organic changes in states of consciousness are actually in a way evolutionary because if we were able to be so easily conditioned and programmed into habit, with no way of really getting out of it, as they say now, it takes, 30 days to change one little habit just to change, say, eating an apple a day takes 30 days, perhaps, to actually form that as a habit. That's a pretty slow process for one little habit, because we can't even change very many habits in one go. But if a person all of a sudden enters a state of mania, everything changes in an instant, and everything's new, and everything's different, and everything is possible. And everything is magical and if some of us didn't experience some of this sometimes we would probably be a monotonous uh, ubiquitous species of drones by now I actually feel like these states of consciousness or these you know so-called pathological mental illnesses are actually completely necessary because the people that go through them Lose their ability to be programmed and they lose their ability to remain in the habits That actually define them as the people they are and then we say well what happened to this person? They're no longer who they were so they're ill and I think that is a very limited way of looking at it it really means wow good that we can't be programmed into something if you could imagine that some supreme dictator came from an alien race just one dictator and was like okay you guys you all have to listen to me because I came from this alien race and and I appeared out of nowhere and you know and so everyone's like bowing down and then all of a sudden they spell out the gospel of what we're supposed to be like, and and we say, okay, because you're magical and you came out of the sky, and, and this person or this entity was so easily able to program us. We're not going to be able to be programmed by that thing because of mental illness, or psychosis, or extreme states of consciousness, a certain number of us are going to rebel, not because we want to, but just because that is actually innately programmed into us. Not programmed, but it's an, it's an innate part of us by the intelligence of however we were designed or created, however you choose to believe that came about. So there's always been people that go mad, as is called, but really it's just a way for the psyche or the being or the consciousness to rebel and and clear itself of its own programming. And to say that, oh, the, the human or the person is ill, I feel that's limited because basically, New programming can be installed, and unfortunately the one that's installed is you're mentally ill, you're defective. You don't have the same functioning, so obviously there's something wrong with you. When it could be by like a divine act of grace that this person's ego was erased. And something else can flower. Something else can take root. Maybe we're not meant to be the same ego that we are our whole entire life. How many people would love to start over? How many people would love to have everything erased and, and create something new? But We're not given this opportunity because we're assumed that we should try to get as much of ourselves back that we lost. Like, oh, that was so valuable, that programming that you were. That you got through your childhood, through your upbringing, through your schooling, through the media—like, oh, that's so valuable. Let's—we got to get that back. You got to recover. No, maybe you have to rediscover and recreate yourself anew. And if there, it was received in a caring way, as if it's almost like the birth of a newborn baby. Even though the person is a young adult or an adult, it's almost like a person is returned to. Innocence. And sometimes, yes, there's be bad behavior in a person because it's almost like the person realizes that they're being deprogrammed and they're not being cared for. They're being treated as if they're the same person. And I feel like there's a certain element of deprogramming. Yes, the person does retain some elements of the personal self most of the time a person's voice isn't going to change most of the time um, you know a person's looks aren't going to change that much but the ego we're assuming the ego structure is the person so we're saying this person gets mentally ill but it really the ego is torn apart and the ego isn't that real to begin with so to say like there is a crisis happening within the person but it could be more to uh, stir up the ego and sort of you know mix it up and and tear it apart and mix it up and put the pieces back together and see what happens and certain elements of the pieces of the puzzle don't fit anymore and some still do and a person in after that experience does lose often loses the ability to function in society, but the ego is actually a product of society. So a person as their ego self in their particular situation in society, they're going along and then for some reason that falls apart, the ego falls apart, the person's not gonna function the same way in the same situation. That ego is implicit in the situation that the crisis happened in. So to put a person back in that situation and expect that that's going to be good, that's the situation that led to the crisis in the first place. So what I'm saying is a lot of it has to do with a person needing to change their life. And and sometimes if a person doesn't change their life and doesn't manage to change their life, the ego structure falls apart and then they have to change their life. But it's not get the ego back and go back to the same life. It's still, I feel, a call to really change one's life. Because society as it is, and the egos that we are, they're, they're conditioned, they're programmed. Like how many of us pretend? Like how many of us are really thinking about the laws of society as we're going about our day and how we should be acting? Well, all those are false structures and and while it seems that society has a relative, relatively stable order, not everybody is stabilized by that order. So those structures of society and those programs and those conditionings, they work for a lot of people. But a lot of people actually fall apart under these structures. And then because of that, a person is said to be mentally ill when perhaps we actually need to work towards designing society for some people that don't actually fit into the society that we've designed, not in that they don't fit in um, as people, but that they don't fit in, like for example, maybe we're not designed to work 40 hours a week, every week almost every week of the year whereas say for example a person that goes through one of these crises and comes out the other side perhaps can get just as much done in 40 hours a month as someone can in 40 hours a week if the person working the 40 hours a month that's gone through the crisis has free reign to do the hours when they can so it's not based on time on assuming that everybody can just pull themselves together for nine to five every day. The fact that anyone can do that is a miracle. And, you know, more and more people are having these these crises and things, and, or crises, I guess I should say. Um, so that's just a small example that perhaps It's also in the design of society. It's also in the design of how we're educated. Like how long are kids gonna be able to continue to sit at a desk for six hours a day for the entire year for so many years of their life? That's pretty outdated. And it's all about control. It's all about learning, and I don't even know if they're changing the way learning happens because to have to memorize all this stuff is just ridiculous in the day of having an external memory and an external brain processor like a smartphone. And um, it's more important to know how to think than be programmed to remember what to think and what to say and what knowledge is. Um, So it's more about inquiring and questioning, being able to ask those questions instead of answer a question when asked, being able to recall something. Which, so basically what I'm trying to say is a crisis could be an invitation for evolving oneself to a different version of oneself. And there's so much pressure after a crisis, I know, to get back to oneself, to get back to who everyone else knows knows me to be. But maybe I'm not that person. Maybe I don't want to be that person anymore. And maybe that's okay. And maybe if people were told, you've lost elements of your ego you've lost elements of your thought structure you've lost elements of maybe your beliefs but you're not your beliefs you're not your your thoughts you're not what you were told to remember you're not your memories what is possible and and maybe a lot of the things that are possible are some of the things that happened in the more positive elements of the crisis, but in the positive one goes equal opposite to say the negative side, and then as one comes out of the negative, maybe one a person can incorporate elements of the positive after coming out of the negative. But so often coming out of the negative implies you should get back to yourself, how you were, you should go back to being who you were so your people that know you are comfortable and you should get back to the exact job you were doing and recover 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 and to me it's also about rediscover 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 recreate 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 if I lost 50% of my ego structure which equates to oh you're not functioning like you're not functional we have to train you how to think and function again Maybe it's not just about functioning. Maybe it's about that so many elements of who I was were dysfunctional in that they're not who I truly am. And who I truly am, I don't know who that is. And I don't think I will ever know. So if certain parts of me were lost, certain parts of me who I thought I was were lost, during a crisis, they're probably meant to go. And um, that frees up space for something else. And perhaps, um, you know, I've had more than one crisis. I've had four. So things keep happening that way, and I'm not sure why. Perhaps I keep trying to reincorporate things that are just that aren't meant to work for me, but um, but to go with the whole losing part of my own function, um, or losing part of my ego functions, some social functions, um, and then freeing up space, what was the space freed up for? And some of that I feel like it's freed up for to be... I don't know if it's freed up to be a visionary per se, but a lot of the experience I had in the crisis stayed. And I don't like the word crisis, I don't like the word psychosis, I don't like the word mania hopefully one day I don't have to say those anymore and you know I'd like to say things more like unusual states of consciousness or extreme states of consciousness or non-ordinary states of consciousness or visionary states and states implies that they change so in a visionary state Or in an extreme state of consciousness, a lot of the experience is visionary or internally subjective. The information is coming from inside. The meaning is coming from inside. And all of a sudden, so much of my life feels meaningful. But it's almost like as the ego dissolves, or is displaced at least, so much more of it is visionary and meaningful. And much less of it is my own personal personal ego stuff so perhaps after the crisis this visionary experience that comes in displaces a lot of the ego stuff and maybe that's what makes some of it go away so all of a sudden this ego I know who I am I believe this I think that I this all the repetitive thoughts Is replaced by a lot of times visions and thoughts of things that are more meaningful or also terrifying and scary it's not all good if it was all good I'm sure everyone would want this thing to happen so if it's displaced some of the ego stuff um, there still is that visionary element and perhaps whatever that visionary element is that comes in is there to inform the new creation of the ego structure because it, it is important to have an ego in today's reality in order to relate. It is important to have a sense of who a person is. Maybe one day the the ego will be more obsolete, but all this visual, visionary stuff and meaning can reinform the ego. And it can reinform a person's life and what they choose to do next and so often because the story is well this is a mental illness and here are your medications for life and the medications are very dulling then that visionary experience or that non-ordinary state just turns turns into okay well now you have a mental illness and deal with it and recover when it could be if it was handled or received in a different way. You know, what's going on for you? Visionary stuff is, is you can harvest it, you can help it to utilize it to inform your life. You know, your ego structure is breaking down, like what do you wanna, what do you choose to incorporate into it as opposed to all this stuff that was just there throughout the process of one's life by default? Um, you know I feel like it's really important it's an important time for somebody to really get in alignment with what they want to do with their life so a lot of people end up unfortunately on disability and not doing much but watching TV well a person can be on disability and from their visionary experience be creating something based on what they harvested from of their extreme states of consciousness of something they're really passionate about you know a person doesn't need to be manic to be passionate about something if i get a message or a feeling or a sense in mania that there's a certain cause that i want to be involved in i don't think i have to be manic in order to participate in that so what i'm saying is certain elements can be harvested from those extreme states of consciousness and those extreme experiences That are still congruent and probably more congruent with daily life that perhaps if a person incorporates into their lifestyle design will prevent further relapse because a person has moved towards living in alignment with what was coming up for them in that extreme state of meaningfulness. And so many of us are suffering from lack of meaning. So to have that state of extreme meaningfulness, just because it ends with, uh, you know, it's usually, it's not sustainable. Because life and the world isn't designed as a visionary place. Like we don't all walk around assuming everyone's having visions and meaningful stuff and looking for synchronicity and magic. Maybe one day we will, but we just go about our business and allow people to do the same. So what I'm saying is, in those extreme states, things can be harvested to use in one's consensus reality life because they did have meaning. And maybe they're not felt as as meaningful now, but it doesn't mean they're not meaningful. Maybe they're the things that will actually move a person towards that sense of meaningfulness and do that in an embodied way. So when it happens as the meaningful state in the extreme state, it's usually quite disembodied. It's not something that I'm actively participating in. So if I feel all of a sudden really drawn to the cause of homelessness, I might be feeling it and seeing homeless people and feeling like, oh my gosh, and giving them some money. But I'm not necessarily engaged in that in my daily embodied life. Which once I come back to the embodied consensus reality state, even though I might have like a hangover from psychosis, just from being in that state. Um, And it feels like a hangover because if you can imagine being in a state of absolute meaning for two months, like so much meaning, everything is so meaningful, possible, there's so many associations and possibilities. And then even the scary part of it which is meaningfully terrified in, in what's called psychosis. After coming back to consensus reality, usually through being medicated or something, it feels terrible. It feels, no wonder there's often a depression, which is what I experienced, because it goes from feeling so meaningful to the normal state of being feels super meaningless, even though it's just sort of consensus felt sense of what we all assume normal reality is. But it feels terrible because of the contrast. So again, that's why it's not good to to get too high beyond beyond the consensus reality because once snapped back to the level of consensus reality, it feels worse than consensus reality because it feels because it's like the equal and opposite thing. And um, I think there's a certain amount that can be done to to help society level up a little bit. Um, but it's difficult it's difficult to remain higher than feeling higher than consensus reality. And some people, they do it by, say, taking some kind of illicit drug every day. But then a person is off in their own personal pleasure and bliss and feeling like one with God maybe or however it feels. But that's not how everyone else feels. So then a person, even though they feel one with everything, they're kind of there by their self. And then it also takes a toll on the body, on the physical structure to always be taking some kind of chemical or substance, whether natural or not, to elevate oneself beyond sort of the daily existence. And I feel like there's certain things that can be done to level up the consensus feeling of daily existence. So slowly over time, consensus reality supposedly gets a little better and better. For example, with different human rights issues. So a population that was marginalized 50 years ago is now more or less part of the mainstream, give or take. Um, And that levels up, say, the consensus level of happiness because more and more people are able to be happy because they're not seen as something less than a human being. And there's still a long, long way to go in this respect. Why are there still wars? Why are there homeless people? why do men some men think they can just rape a woman why why is there why are those things happening and so until the world is a completely safe place for every single human being it's not going to be a magical wonderful playful place for every single human being now maybe some people experience that and but over time slowly certain things become less acceptable and more there's more consensus happiness and when i'm in an extreme state of consciousness i can feel and perceive injustice more so than normal so when i'm in regular consciousness i can walk by a homeless person on the street and feel bad you know and Or feel happy and be like, wow, you're free from society's stuff. It doesn't look very fun, but you don't have to. There's a lot of things you don't have to do. A lot of stresses you don't have to have. More so, you have the stress of survival, but not all of these other games that people have invented after survival wasn't an issue anymore that really have no basis in reality except that we've created in our own minds. But anyways, if I was in an extreme state of consciousness, I would think this is just, this is not right. Um, You know, I would maybe give more money or I would have a conversation with the person. And I've heard of some people that when they're manic, they go out and they get homeless people off the street and they bring them home so they can shower. And I remember hearing this story and hearing it in terms of this is what happens when the person is ill and i'm thinking to myself that's beautiful like that's amazing obviously it's it's not you know it's not safe or whatever they would say but it's still beautiful that somebody would go out and get somebody and say hey come here and have a shower imagine if just like a handful of people were doing that Well, I I guess there's charities and things doing that, but if we just as human beings were reaching out like that to different people as opposed to everything that's going on, the world would be a different place. I think that is a beautiful action. and But it's not something I would recommend. It's something I could see myself doing in an extreme state of consciousness, but it's, you know, logically in logical consensus reality rational consciousness it's not something that a female should do but in that heart-centered consciousness where a person isn't thinking about their own personal safety as in me and my ego and if you kill me me and all my memories are gone you know there's so much so many people getting killed this instant in war which is like oh don't kill me but go and kill everybody overseas like i'm precious but what about the people that are out there dying so for a person to just put their ego aside and help somebody like that one thing i did one time was when i was super manic was i sort of had this sense inside that said look for yellow so I was looking for yellow and so I saw this man with a a yellow Vizzy vest and he was a homeless man and I I took him for coffee at Tim Hortons and we had a beautiful talk and he had such a beautiful heart and he he told me about how he'd helped start this dream center in a city in Canada and then he was giving me instructions on how to help start the dream center here where I live and when he was telling me about it, it's like I was writing, but the pen was like moving by itself, and my handwriting was completely different. It was like that moment conspired to give me those instructions, and and then um, I gave him a big hug, and um, then I got really cold, and I took a taxi cab home. But it felt like I was in like this time warp, like this. I don't know and sometimes I've actually dissociated and I feel I feel like a homeless person and sometimes I think this homeless man is me like he's like a a different version of me like if I wasn't a complete consciousness he would be like a another piece of my consciousness not as in mine but but it just made me feel like he was this man with this vision and he was homeless so perhaps not accepting mainstream help for supposed you know, mental illness or something um, and actually I think he had a home but I think it was like It was like some crappy, crappy, crappy place, like super bad, and so he was definitely in in extreme poverty, and um, he was just a beautiful man, and I don't even know how I started on that topic, but basically, um, you know, some of these, I guess one thing is some of the experiences in mania, like... In my normal consciousness, I wouldn't take a homeless person to coffee. Like, maybe I would if I was like, I'm going to go out do a, and do an intentional act of kindness. And I'm going to go find a homeless person and take them for coffee. And, you know, there's a lot of outreach workers who are employed to out, to do outreach. And, and um, take a homeless person to coffee or to try to reach out and get people off the streets and things. But... You know in normal consensus consciousness we're quite able to walk by a lot of injustices whereas in mania it's very difficult to walk by anything so in that way a person can easily be like a ping-pong ball going from one thing to the next that they see that they're trying to help with or resolve and um you know that could be a good job like if somebody was like always going into mania give this person a salary and say hey go out and do as much good as you can as much as you see like why do we need to categorize things and you know have all these job descriptions it's like do people actually know what to do maybe people actually do know what to do if we just really got together and did it but um, so yeah I don't even know where I was going with that if I don't get back on track with it, I'll have to watch this and find out what I was saying, because um, I think part of it was to do with finding one's cause, and that's, I guess, partly why I feel like my cause is to do with homelessness, even though, um, you know, maybe my cause was that, because of that, that thing that happened where I I met that homeless man and and he sort of told me what to do and I've never really acted on it and the thing is that I've had this sense that you know we are the homeless people if we are one we are the homeless people as well and oh yeah I think I was saying something about how it's not great for daily existence to be in that state of consciousness and that's one of the reasons if I was always manic I would just be seeing something acting seeing something acting all the time and I don't think there's anything wrong with that but um, it's not it's not really how society is designed and so if I was to take my own thoughts here that I'm saying and go back and look at my manic experience, I would say, okay, perhaps I should in some way start working in homelessness because that's really what I was responding to a lot when I was in that state. Sometimes I wonder if people if they want to be homeless You know the homeless people there are unborn children You know they're they're